Hey, Risto here at George Mason University. I'm here with Sarah Jane Belton, who is an associate professor in physical education at the School of Health and Human Performance at Dublin City University. Um, also here is Wesley O'Brien, who is a lecturer in physical education and coaching science in the School of Education at the University of College Cork, um, both in Ireland, just to put that out there. Um, we're going to discuss the article titled, A New Curriculum Model for Second Level Physical Education, Why Path PE for Me. Um, it was recently published in the Curriculum Studies in Health and Physical Education Journal. Um, I'll put the full citation in the uh, show notes and... Um, to both of you, thanks for coming on. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's great to be here, Risto, and thanks for the invitation. Uh, ourselves and the author team have listened to and enjoyed many of your podcasts with various guests, so we're delighted to be able to chat with you today about the article. Hi, Risto. Uh, just to echo Sarah Jane, yeah, thank you very much for inviting us to speak on your very successful podcast. Uh, Sarah Jane and I are very pleased to speak with you today on behalf of the wider authorship team to discuss our recent article on the White Path Peace for Me curriculum model, a programme which we believe has gained really nice momentum and traction in Irish education and practice in recent years. Yeah, I saw, I saw the Google alert come up and it said a new curriculum model. I was like, I, I have to ask about this. I have to learn about more. And so, and I know a lot of people who listen um, to the curriculum model podcasts and these are really interesting to people. So, um, you start off by talking about the role of physical education and curriculum models in the paper. Um, can you explain how you define curriculum models and how they can guide a PE curriculum to achieve the desired outcomes? Yeah, sure. Well, I, I can try and I can certainly talk you through how we interpret it and how, how we defined it. The definition we work from the paper actually is that of Deborah Tannehill, Van der Maars, MacPhail. Um, a 2013 definition that defined curriculum models as focused, theme-based, reflecting a specific philosophy about what is important in PE and providing a framework that places the student at the centre of instructional design. Um, instructional models defining a focus around the content and an aim towards specific, relevant and challenging, le challenging learning outcomes for the students. Now, I'm actually working with our own current undergraduate student teachers at DCU on a module at the moment where we're trying to disentangle what all of this means and why curriculum models are important. And in the class, when we unpack that Tannehill definition, fundamentally, we come to a view where curriculum model is our roadmap. And this is how, how our students are interpreting it. It's, it's a roadmap. It's the guidebook as they develop their PE programme, that, that broader PE programme. But I think, of course, the first thing that you have to do is define what you're trying to achieve in PE, because if you can't define that, you can't hang your hat on any one model. Um, so what is that primary purpose? And of course, that in turn is influenced heavily by one's teaching philosophy, their value orientation. So there are all of these various elements interplaying. When you have defined your purpose, though, for physical education, then you have to ask the question of how do we go about achieving that goal? And that's where the curriculum model comes in, because choosing a curriculum model that aligns with your overarching goal and philosophy, it then basically offers you a framework and a guide that places the students at the centre of your decision making and makes sure that they stay there. It allows you to keep on track in terms of your overarching goal and what it is you're trying to achieve by offering that structure or the framework to help guide the decisions that you make around content, around assessments, things like instructional models, the list goes on really. Yeah, and 
And that was a good unpacking. Uh, and, and I'd like to unpack a little bit about the Irish curriculum. And just as a reminder for people who are listening, if you go to Twitter at the HPE podcast, at the very top, the pinned tweet has a link to every single episode categorized. So you can see that we've talked about the Irish curriculum. We talked about the primary and we talked about the secondary level. Um, and you explain this in your paper, but uh, what I'd like to know is a little bit more about the background of the study. So uh, maybe Sarah Jane, I can ask you if uh, what was the story behind why path PE for me? And I and I know in the paper you refer a lot to your 2019 paper from British Journal of Sports Medicine. I was titled "Bright Spots: uh, Physical Activity Investments That Work Youth Physical Activity Towards Health," which is the why path, and we'll link to that as well. Uh, do you feel like that article represents the genesis or jumping off point of the article that we're talking about today? Yeah, in many ways it does. And, and I think in many ways that BGSM Bright Spots paper and this current paper probably go best hand in hand in terms of getting a full overview of YPAF. In that British Journal of Sports Medicine paper, we give a short overview of the genesis of the program, how it evolved. And then we use a number of infographics to try and capture the essence of the active ingredients, which we talk about in more depth in this current paper. Uh, So it does supplement and they supplement each other quite nicely. So YPATH, in terms of the background, it actually started in 2010. And it was when Wesley here joined myself and Johan Eisertel, who's one of our co-authors, as a PhD student at DCU. So Wesley was starting his PH journey and collectively the three of us had identified the low levels of physical activity in adolescent Irish youth as an issue that really needed to be targeted and tackled. There had been a number of broad national surveys that have really highlighted this issue, no difference to, to almost all parts of the world, of course. But together, the three of us started this research project to identify the why behind the issue for Irish adolescents and to try to develop a targeted solution. And we had the goal right from the very start of developing something with as little resource requirement as possible so that ultimately it could be scaled up and offered across the country. So we carried out a lot of foundational cross-sectional research work to start with. And what derived from that was really a confirmation of the physical inactivity problem in Ireland, but coupled very much with very poor levels of fundamental movement skill uh, capability. And we were looking at this in early adolescence, 12 to 15 year olds, where there wasn't a lot of data at that time. People weren't really looking at fundamental movement skills in that cohort because they were gone beyond the age generally where you'd expect the skills to be developed. But we had a lot of data at that time then telling us there's a huge problem here and there's a lot of interplay between the two things, low levels of physical activity and low levels of movement skills. But critically, as we dived in further with the kids, we found that the children with lower levels of physical activity participation also had really low levels of physical activity motivation, poor attitudes towards physical activity, poor levels of health knowledge around the importance and the benefits of physical activity, and um, both for health and well-being. So at that time, while YPATH wasn't initiated with physical literacy at its core or as a target, certainly our research pointed towards the concept of physical literacy and I suppose the veracity of that broad view of interrelationship of these various domains that do influence physical activity behavior. So myself and Wesley and and Johan and a number of our other colleagues published a number of papers around 2014, 2015 and 2013 even 
that presented that cross-sectional work and it's on the basis of that cross-sectional foundation along with some qualitative work with the students, teachers, local sports providers that we actually developed the Y-Path intervention program. So the program itself, I, we'll, I suppose I have to unpack really what it is, but most broadly when you step back I would say it's a multi-component program. It's based largely, most largely in the PE class with the PE teacher but recognises that PE teachers alone can't solve the issue of physical inactivity. The message really is that activity is for all and it has to be supported by the wider school environment, but also by the parents at home. Um, so myself, Wesley, Johan, along with a number of graduate students over the years, we've had Brona McGrain, Danielle Powell, Holly Clark, a number of great students that did graduate research through YPATH. Over those years, we iteratively developed, refined, evaluated YPATH between 2010 and 2018. And that culminated then in a cluster randomized control trial to, to really evaluate the efficacy in terms of hitting the, the targets, um, which was to lower the, the age related, or to, to halt, if we could, the age related decline in physical activity and improve fundamental movement skill abilities. So I guess, Wesley, if I can come to you. Can you give us an overview of the theories behind YPATH uh, PE for me and the role each one plays on the objectives of the curriculum model? And of course, Aristo, uh, this kind of feels like a PhD visor question again, the theoretical overview of... Uh, you're, you're a pro, of, you've of already done it at least system. once. Yeah, <laughs> so here I go, I have this crystal clear on my tongue. Um, yeah, I, I, I do remember um, very clearly when I started my own PhD in 2010, Risto, Sarah Jane saying to me, try to make sure that this intervention that you're proposing to develop, it's research informed, it's educationally sound in practice, but not to forget that it needs to be theoretically underpinned. And I think the theoretical underpinnings, Risto, of the YPATH P for Me program, they have been front and centre in many of the continuously evolving iterations of this program. However, as a research team, we've, we have never lost sight of the fact that theories are a crucial component for our research in order for it to have direction and uh, future prospect. So theory was needed to validate the most effective pedagogical intervention that we could promote for the student to make sure they received meaningful physical activity opportunities within the PE subject practice. So as Sarah Jane alluded to in the previous question, um, the physical education teacher can, cannot be the sole agent or uh, responsible for increasing children and adolescents' physical activity levels within and outside of the school environment. So for this reason, it is really important that we continue to remember in WIPAT who the key stakeholder is within the programme. And that is, of course, the child or the adolescent. And for these reasons, one of the first models we looked at was the socio-ecological model. And that has been rooted within our early work as a model of thinking as to how children interact with others. And when we think of children in schools, they interact regularly with their immediate learning environment. In this case, teachers, parents, and members of the community, who we all know are key stakeholders in this whole school approach to thinking. And moving on from that, Risto, that you, you, you get a flavor as to what maybe the socio-ecological model looks like, but I think a really front and centre model that has really grounded what we've done in White Path P for me in more recent years has definitely been that self-determination theory from Ryan and Decky's work from 2000 onwards. And in line when we talk about the curriculum in Irish physical education, self-determination theory recognises the necessity of student autonomy and choice as, as psychological foundations 
for providing motivational opportunities in PE. So when we talk about the self-determination theory, we know that people are to become self-determined when their needs for this, those three words, those buzzwords of competence, connection and autonomy are fulfilled. So putting this into the context of YPATH, we propose that children become motivated to participate in classroom experiences that are filled with rich, competent psychomotor opportunities where they can connect with others affectively and they have frequent cognitive engagement uh, through autonomy. And that's this final kind of message of thinking, feeling and doing in PE. Yeah. And, and that when you said social ecological model, it like makes makes a lot of sense because you know that's what CSPAP in in the U.S. Comprehensive School Physical Activity Programming is all about. Of you know, and they they take a little different approach in the sense that they make PE like the PE teacher is the champion of all of this, and they're at the core of it, but they are not responsible and they cannot be responsible for every action. So I see a lot of parallels there. And and I'm wondering, what are the core principles? And, and in the article, you talk about these, quote unquote, active ingredients. And I know people who have published papers and books on uh, curriculum models in the past have talked about non-negotiables. So what are what are those at the heart of the Why Path PE for Me program? Yeah. I um, I really like that word non-negotiables. I do a lot of coaching as well, and we have some kind of principles that kind of relate to non-negotiables as well. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about the non-negotiables within the white path piece for me, um, Risto, if that's okay. And I think the beauty of the research that we were doing back in 2013, 2014 was that many of these core principles still remain front and center of what we're doing. So Hopefully, we'd like to think that what we were doing back then was cutting edge. Um, and if I was to kind of break down these active ingredients, um, I think I'd like to break them down into five key areas that hopefully the, the listeners can kind of relate to. And the very first active ingredient that the White Path P for me represents is without doubt, we want to provide opportunities in physical education where children are regularly active within their structured allocated class time. Now, these regular physical activity opportunities are about children exploring physical activity in different ways with the objective of um, providing positive attitudes towards being active and to improve their own self-efficacy. And Sarah Jane mentioned that a few moments ago, we did find that children that were insufficiently active did not possess the same levels of attitudes to their peers. So this, this was a really important uh, active ingredient. Um, and by doing that, we want to try and ensure that large parts of the lessons capitalize on children reaching that moderate to vigorous intensity levels, which we know are so beneficial to health. But that's not the only thing we're trying to do in White Path. It's a very important core ingredient, but there are four other things that I'd like to kind of relate to now as well. And the second one is this idea of educating children and, and the need for the White Path P for Me program to allow children and youth to develop knowledge and understand, understanding on the health benefits of physical activity. Um, and in the Irish physical education related curriculum context, this often refers to health related knowledge and understanding. And I'm sure it might be similar in the US, some of this terminology, uh, which is the great thing, I guess, about the advances in physical education. We are getting to a point where we're getting consistent with our terminology at curriculum level. This third active ingredient is was probably very refreshing at the time of WIPAS being launched, um, and it has gained a lot of momentum. And that is 
the idea of the YPAT P for Me program targeting basic motor skill competencies through age appropriate fundamental movement skills opportunities. And Sarah Jane will has touched on it and we continue to touch on it in the work we're doing. This has definitely been a unique selling point of uh, of YPAT P for Me, this integration of fundamental movement skills within the differing curricular strands. And the final two, Risto, and um, notwithstanding what I maybe referred to a few moments ago on the theoretical underpinnings of the programme, we want to make sure that the WellPath classes um, in practice, they foster a pedagogical motivational climate where children have autonomy and they're given plenty of opportunities by through their own voice, uh, which being the student voice being so important to express themselves and their peers, but also that they have choice in terms of maybe some of the content that they're participating in. And finally, Risto, the need that the YPAS P for me classroom experiences, that they shift the pedagogical focus away maybe from competitive kind of scenarios towards a more collaborative, cooperative learning environment for adolescents. And I think if I was to kind of summarize that, they would be the five non-negotiables, active ingredients, unique selling points. And I'm not quite sure what the best way to phrase that is, but they are definitely uh, front and center of what we're trying to offer in our physical education environment. Yeah. And, and at this point, I would pass you on your PhD Viva uh, defense because it's been really good so far. But I do have one more question for you, which is, okay. what does this look like in a PE class? Like, what are, what are some examples that uh, you could share with us? What does this look like in um, like a physical education scenario? Yeah, I think... I think for the listeners, this is definitely the nuts and bolts of what people want to know. How does this, how does this roll out in practice? And um, I think I think it's something that I'd like to maybe explain in as clear a po- uh, manner as I possibly can. Um, so again, very briefly, Risto, before I talk about the practice, I just want to remind the listeners what these five active ingredients are. Physical activity opportunities being one. Health-related knowledge and understanding being two motor skills opportunities being three, the student voice and choice, an unintended rhyme there, by the way, number four, and the fifth is this idea of a cooperative learning environment being integrated across the curriculum. So if I may, I'm going to give you two examples in practice, two different curricular strands offering. So one such recommended strand in Irish physical education curricula, and it's common across the globe, is games. So for example, if we take a typical invasion, striking and fielding game, such as our own native sport of ladies Gaelic football in Ireland, in this type type of a YPATH P for me class, female adolescents would be provided with frequent physical activity, short games across an 80 minute class. And they they might try to measure maybe their heart rate before the warm up and possibly after the first ladies Gaelic football game in practice. In terms of motor skills, the students would get exposure to kicking, things like catching, skills like running, which kind of fulfills this object-related and locomotor experience. But not forgetting the child's voice, they might also have autonomy in this class in selecting the type of kicking game or catching game during the main stage of the class time that they would like to participate in. And given the nature of the game, the teacher might encourage things like teamwork, and may perhaps differentiate the games through zonal conditions, small-sided games, with large spaces to ensure that all children maybe get exposure to touching the ball as per the requirements of the game. So I hope that gives a kind of a 
a quick but practical example of what a white path P for me lesson looked like in games. But let's move to maybe something that we're becoming more familiar with maybe since the, the onset of the pandemic and physical education maybe in the last two years. And another recommended strand in Irish physical education curricula are individual and team challenges. So in Ireland, let's take, for example, maybe an outdoor learning experience like orienteering. And in this type of a white path P for me class, mixed gender adolescents, they would be provided with maps, compasses, punching cards across an 80 minute class period time. And they might try to design their own suitable warm up before exploring the mapped out area. So the children might ask themselves questions or the teacher might ask questions. Why is a warm up needed before something like orienteering? Or is it even needed at all? What might be the benefits of an orienteering warm up or what might these consist of? In terms of motor skills, again, children will be doing different movements like balancing, hopping, running, dodging, and these hit the stability and locomotor experiences. And they might be given an opportunity to be rewarded with extra bonus points for getting to a specific station or area by using different FMS, not just running to a station, maybe hopping to a station or sliding to a station, kind of making it a little bit more of a rich movement experience. And given the nature of orienteering, the teacher would encourage this collaborative environment, again, maybe something like think, pair, share type philosophies, where the child's voice is critical to exploring the different mapped out routes. And perhaps the teacher might further differentiate between abilities by offering students the opportunity to explore different routes. So they might do the red route, the amber route, and the green route. And I hope those two examples of games and orienteering Risto just contextualize some of the practical examples of WIPAC P for me, for the listeners, and seeing that the student voice is, is definitely never forgotten and the autonomy throughout those two examples. Thank you. Yeah, I, I think that was a, a great set of examples. And I, I want to do one follow-up question on, um, on the teaching of the health-related fitness knowledge. And uh, I'm curious, because you talk about how the PE teacher cannot solely be responsible for for the physical activity levels, right? But is, in this scenario, is the PE teacher or the health and PE teacher, are they responsible for the education of health-related fitness knowledge? Or is, is any of that outsourced to an after-school program or to a community center? Like, are you, because I can, I can see the fundamental movement skills, like asking mm -hmm. a community program to reinforce what they're learning but I'm wondering the health-related fitness knowledge, who's responsible for, for teaching that? Yeah, it's an excellent question. And, and I think it is important to note that, and it hasn't been maybe brought up yet, the first time a child experiences YPATH P for me, whether they're in their first year of secondary school or in their third year of secondary school, they are exposed to an approximate six weeks of health-related activity or health-related fitness, or health-related understanding type curricular content. And that is a standalone teacher-led content-based unit of learning, as we call it in Ireland, where the student gets plenty of opportunities to try and educate themselves more holistically on their own health awareness. Now, this isn't just a six-week physical fitness testing regime where we get pre and post assessments on children when they arrive to physical education. It's far from that. We're looking very much at their knowledge, their health being upskilled. And often we find, given the rich variety of curricular offerings that physical education in Ireland has, 
we find that we integrate health-related knowledge through the other strands. So you can really do a really neat job as a teacher if you're a little bit crafty in your practice, and you can do that through things like athletics, gymnastics, dance, and you can really educate children on their health. And that is really, Sarah Jane will probably echo this uh, later on, it's about giving children an appreciation for their health and what it's all, what, why, why they should participate in these opportunities to become healthier, not, not to become professional or elite athletes, it's that they can engage in sound health-related understanding to participate in lifelong physical activity. And if we can do that across the entire White Path program, we're in with a chance of keeping them uh, engaged in lifelong behaviours, we believe. Yeah. And I might just draw a parallel between what Wesley has really nicely summarised there and the, the wellbeing programme in Irish schools currently, where well-being is viewed in two ways. One, it's viewed as a, a, a programme, a programme, an area of study. But the second way is that it's a whole school endeavour. And in many ways, YPATH PE for me reflects that, in that as PE teachers, we have our own responsibilities, of course, absolutely, and we're responsible to deliver the, the best and the richest PE programme we can with the best outcomes we can for our students. But it's recognising that even if we do the most amazing job, it can be washed out if the support environment around that child isn't supporting the same messages. So the responsibilities really are everywhere and for everyone. And I, I think the way we approach YPAS PE for me fits nicely into that overarching philosophy of well-being in Irish schools at the moment. Yeah. And I, and I know that, um, you know, it's been great to see that White Path P for me has, has had a national dissemination. And um, you said that it's offered to all schools across the Republic of Ireland. And I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about how this has been achieved. And also, uh, you mentioned that there's a continuum of professional development. So uh, can you talk to me about how you've been able to like disseminate this and what type of resources are available for teachers to continue doing this? Sure, yeah. So it's, it's my time for the Viva experience now that, that Wesley has done. And I think Wesley, Tom McKenzie would be proud, actually. We'll have, we have to send him, a, <laughs> we'll have to send him this podcast so he can listen back. Um, so yeah, so the, the national dissemination, um, I think the first thing to say in, in, in terms of how we have progressed and evolved at YPATH is to, to mention to the listeners that maybe not too familiar with the Republic of Ireland is that in comparison to many other countries, we are relatively small. And I know from various conversations I've had with colleagues, even in the U UK, um, but more so in the United States, in Australia, for example, that connecting and working with various groups and stakeholders involved in physical education delivery nationally here, it's something that is much more accessible in Ireland, I think, than it may be in other jurisdictions. So. As we developed YPATH over the years, myself, Wesley Owen, and, and all the other colleagues that have joined the team over the last 10 years, and there are many of us, we've been able to have conversations early and often with stakeholders nationally who are all working towards the same goal. And a list of so, some of the groups, they include, um, for example, colleagues in the Department of Education inspectorate in Ireland that have responsibility for, for overseeing physical education. A good number of colleagues in the professional development service for teachers. So this is the group devolved from the Department of Education that have responsibility for delivery of professional development to teachers in Ireland. And in fact, you've had two of our colleagues. You've had Liam Clausey and Stephen mm -hmm. Moore on recently yeah. in, in various podcasts. Um, so we, then there are also colleagues in Sport Ireland 
who have been and continue to be, to make great advances in supporting physical activity in all its forms across a range of sectors. And then colleagues in the Irish Heart Foundation who have had really strong and a rich history in supporting a range of school-based initiatives around physical activity and nutrition amongst other areas and who had already developed and rolled out a number of PE-based programmes to primary and second level schools in Ireland over the years. So through those various, I suppose, early and often conversations, we were in a place that we had the research carried out, we had a quite robust programme, we had research findings to support that, look, hey guys, this works, you know, we've really got something here, we've done eight eight years of background work in this, and at that point, Sport Ireland, who had supported us in various parts of our journey through local sports partnership initiatives and funding and dormant account funding, they really allowed us to, to refine YPATH and ensure that it knit fully with the well-being framework in Irish schools. So when we got, got to 2018 and we had this solid and robust evidence-informed programme, Sport Ireland at that point backed us on our mission to try and get it to every school in the country, which had been as, this, this was myself, Wesley and Johan's dream back in 2010 when we started this work, was to get it to that point. And when Sport Ireland, with, with their support at that time, it, it just gave us a staff member, an incredible staff member called Jamie McGann, who worked full time on refining the programme and bringing it to the next level in terms of the packaging, you know, what this looked like. And at the same time, Simultaneously, in fact, our colleagues in the Irish Heart Foundation, who had provided us advice and support along along the journey up to that point, they came on board then as a lead agency who would roll out the programme. And myself, Wesley, the, the team of academics that, that, that we've written this paper with, our, our expertise isn't in national dissemination. We're researchers and, and we do a reasonably okay job at that and hopefully we do a reasonably okay job at t- teacher education as well. But that expertise and that knowledge base needed to disseminate at the national scale, that, that, that's something else. And the Irish Heart Foundation brought that and it brought with it a very strong existing network of schools and the staff, as I say, with the expertise and the experience that was needed. So. With that staffing support from Sport Ireland that their funding allowed us to to hire, coupled with the funding and experience of the Irish Heart Foundation, we were together able to translate what was the existing YPATH programme, and Wesley can testify to this, it was coloured pages laminated and and stuck into nice folders, you know, it was all done manually, there was a a lot of manual work done, but we were able to repackage that into something that was far more polished, professional looking and um, something that was ready for national implementation in terms of graphic design and, and supporting resources. And at that point, the professional development service for teachers also became critical partners on the program, bringing with them their experience and skill set in professional development to ensure that we maximise the quality of the program and the potential impact of the program for teachers and students in schools. So I guess with all of these groups, we developed the CPD programme to support the national rollout of YPATH. And that CPD is now administered and overseen by the Irish Heart Foundation, who have a long-term commitment to bringing this to as many schools in the country as possible. And they have a very strong track record in this space. So the CPD itself, I know it was a second part to your question. It consists of two things, it's two-pronged. The first is an online module that the teachers take prior to attending 
a face-to-face session. And the purpose of the online element, it takes in or around kind of 40 minutes to an hour to, to navigate. We try to make it as interactive as possible, but it's really to introduce teachers to the idea of motivational climate. Some of the language that they may not be too okay with, but many, many of the elements which they, they can totally hook onto and totally get once it's broken down. So that's introduced on the online element, what it might look like, as well as the un- underlining the challenges facing Irish adolescent youth as it pertains to PE, as it pertains to physical activity and physical literacy. And then when they come to the face-to-face workshop itself, it constitutes a combination of practical and theoretical elements trying to, to bring all of this alive for the teachers. And following the CPD offering, the teachers then have access to all of the programme resources uh, some printed and, and everything is available online to them as well, as well as ongoing access to the school team at the Irish Heart Foundation for questions that they might have as they go about implementing it in the school. The one thing I'd say about the CPD is the current format, because of the financial constraints, it, it doesn't allow for significant ongoing support for teachers, which we'd all like to do. I mean, we all recognise it as best practice, but the financial implications of that is something we haven't quite figured out yet. So that would be ideal in terms of maximising the benefits for the students and teachers, but it's something that hopefully we are working towards and hopefully we can, we can get to. Yeah, and it's it's pretty amazing to hear how long you've been working on this from and how systematically you've been working on this from starting with cross-sectional data, underpinning it with theory, going out and doing randomised controlled trials, and then actually doing what... I agree, which is really hard to do as a researcher is to disseminate. Like you could publish a paper and put it out somewhere and make it open access, but how do you disseminate the curriculum part? And I think that there's so much that's been done in in research papers that's just gold. Like it's so amazing. But then the actual like, what does a lesson look like? You don't have space in a 28-page manuscript to to put that in there. Or even if you do, it's a sample of one day. It's not the whole entire thing. So, um, and and for you know a lot of other programs that are disseminated, they always not always, but oftentimes come with a huge cost, and there's a huge paywall to to get it to individuals who are who are purchasing licenses for it. So. I'm wondering if, in kind of wrapping up the podcast, and what what's the next step? Like, what's the future direction for YPath? Yeah, I mean, you've highlighted the many, many challenges I think that that we all face, and it's it's dissemination. It's not even about you know getting it out there. It's getting it out there in a way that the people who want to access it want to access it. You know, and I think for us, a YPath for me, PE for me. The great thing, and again, going back to the size of the Republic of Ireland, and anyone who hasn't been here, you need to come over and myself and Wesley and show you around with the rest of the author team. But the author team of this paper, we have representation from three universities in the country. There's University of Limerick, there's University College Cork, and there's Dublin City University. And collectively, we are the three universities in the country who deliver concurrent PE teacher education degree programmes. So we're it, you know? Mm-hmm. So... While YPATH started as an intervention program and YPATH P for me as it's evolved into now has been rolled out in terms of CPD, 
it's our hope that we'll get to the point in the future where CPD won't be needed because the principles will be so well integrated across our PE teacher education programmes. And this is where the philosophical shift, I guess, came about that simulated this current paper that actually we're getting to a point and we will get to a point where it's no longer about intervening. It's actually about a way of thinking, a guide or a framework that can aid PE teachers keeping the eye on the prize, keeping the eye on the ultimate goal as we develop our PE programmes with and, and for our students. And if we if we look back and, and think back of kind of the London Tannehill work where they talk about curricular models having this specific theme and philosophy, we're really at that point where fundamentally for YPATH, it comes back to a shared overarching goal for PE. And not everyone will agree with this, but this is where certainly we are in agreement here. It's to enable all children to lead sustained physically active lives now and into the future. Not the only goal, but it's the overarching one that, that we're trying to strive towards. And it's a philosophy that places children at the centre of our decision making when it comes to our educational practices. And also that prioritises the importance of creating a, a climate, a motivational climate to allow these students to flourish. So. As a curriculum model where, where we've kind of progressed this to, it identifies what those key active ingredients are that, that, that have evolved over time that we've tried and tested. The active ingredients for successfully doing this and as such we're offering it as a framework to hopefully help teachers work towards it. A model that maximises the benefits to students through positive and memorable PE experiences. And we hope that in that regard, it can be useful to the teachers and PE educators beyond Ireland for the same purpose. Yeah. And, and you brought up the fact that Ireland is not the same size and population as other places. And, and I won't claim to use this comparison as an original uh, Posse Salberg, who uh, writes a lot about the Finnish curriculum and has written uh, books like Finnish Lessons, which is his kind of extrapolation of what Finland has learned in their education system and how the rest of the world can learn from it. And, you know, you look at Ireland as a country, five, six million people, you have a ton of states, like the state that I live in, in Virginia in the US, has eight million people. So it's not, and the level of decision-making is at the state level in the US. You're not trying to impact 330 million because it's against the formatting of the education system in the U.S. So there's a lot of different localities, a lot of different states that could adopt something similar or learn from what you're doing about how you've disseminated it. Because at the end of the day, if you want to make a big difference, the real way to do it is at the state level in the U.S. And there's a ton of countries and even different states within different countries that are the size and resemble a lot of the kind of diversity or the cultures that are in those in those countries that even like Finland and Ireland have the same population but it doesn't mean that going into another state context it's not similar there's still a state high school organizing board there's also different non nonprofits there's an education uh you know department that's specific for that state so i think those comparisons that you made and you know it it is very possible to take those lessons and take it into a um to a outside of ireland context so um anything else you wanted to add before we uh 
before we wrap this up? No, I, I think you sufficiently grilled us, Risto. Thank Good. you very much. Good. Um, I, I really want to thank both of you for coming on. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to add the link to the article that you referenced, uh, the BJSM YPATH article. I'll put that in the notes and I'll put a uh, show notes to this. And I'll also link to the two uh, podcasts we've done about the Irish curriculum for those people who want to put it into context of what the curriculum is and how the YPATH can work. Um, so thank you. Uh, thank you both for coming on. Um, really, really appreciated this. And it was a great conversation. Thank you very much, Risto, for having us. Thank you very much, Risto. It was great. Thanks. And so I'll also uh, thank Alba Rodriguez for her help in producing the podcast. And that's all we got. Thanks. If you're still listening, you're probably really into health and physical education. So I'm going to use this opportunity to pitch our master's program to you if you don't have your master's degree yet. Um, our 100% online master's degree program we offer at George Mason is affordable. You can do it while teaching, and it's high quality. Um, Mason was listed as one of the top 50 universities under 50 years old in the world. Our education department was ranked in the top 10 nationally for the online master's degree program in curriculum and instruction. The master's degree uh, revolves around your teaching. So you'll use assignments from the classes to immediately apply research and best practices to your classes. You'll be part of a tight-knit cohort of health and physical education professionals who are passionate about teaching. You're also gonna get an opportunity to interact with students in other content areas. So if you're interested, you can email me, look me up on Twitter, or you can go on the hpewebsite.com under study with us and watch a video that I've made.